Thank you guys so much. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yay. Very good. Well, good to see you all today. And uh, we are in week six of the series, Made for More. Uh, I want to wrap it up next week. I just feel like we have one more teaching we need to do. And then, then we're going to be back in the Gospel of John. And I'm really excited about getting into chapter 11 that Thanksgiving weekend. But uh, as I was preparing, I had to show you a piece of cake that I show you on occasion. Do we have that picture of that slice of cake? Um, uh, yeah, take a look at that in case you're hungry. Not fair, somebody's saying. That, that is called the uh, Chocolate Tower Truffle Cake. It's one of my favorite discoveries on the planet. There's been a few. I'm on the mission for the greatest chocolate cake ever. And uh, chocolate tart truffle cake, you can get that at Cheesecake Factory. But what I, I love about this cake is talking about how many calories per slice. So you ready for this number? 1,760 calories. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, every bite, man, it's awesome, it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, uh, there, there are just times that this is the right cake at the right place <laughs> and at the right time. Okay, maybe not this minute, but there are those, those, those times. You were made for more. That's been the emphasis of this series. It's the idea that you were made on purpose and you were made for a purpose and in, in some various specific applications, as well as in some very broad applications, you are actually made to be the right person at the right place at the right time. So uh, we've repeated some scriptures over and over again, and that's good because this so lines up with my personal vision. And so I'd like us to, to read together Ephesians 2.10. Read that with me. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's you, made on purpose, made for a, a purpose. I, I had to be in Dallas recently and found myself at a high-end mall, and I was in one of those parking garages, and I was blown away by how many parking slots were dedicated to Teslas and how many Teslas were actually parked in those spots? I mean, do you have any idea how much a Tesla can cost? I mean, one of my friends was so excited that he got to drive a $120,000 Tesla. And uh, on his way to the southern uh, gate of Rocky Mountain National Park, exceeded 100 miles an hour in that car. And he said it was driving itself. I mean, pretty amazing. But you see all those cars, those sweet cars, and you have to think to yourself, you know, wow, those Tesla drivers, they must really have something going for them. And then you stop and you have to wonder, but wait a minute. In the quiet moments of their lives, if they're being really honest with themselves, are they asking questions like this? Am I doing anything with my life that really matters? Am I doing anything of significance? So in this series, we've been talking about how significance begins with be. You being who God made you to be. And that can only be discovered in relationship with God. Then it's out of that be that we can even begin toward to move into any type of do. Do is that out of that relationship, uh, we begin to, to move forward having impact for the glory of God 
uh, for, for the Lord and for people who desperately need to, to know the Lord. Um, part of the reason that, that we might not be walking in this might be described in my mom's pasta. Yeah. Uh, my mom's parents were from northern Italy. Uh, my dad actually came from southern Italy, and if I understand that correctly, uh, that makes me first-generation American. And when people pick up on that, it's been just the case over the years that folks have wanted to have me over for dinner, and uh, I'll go to their house, and they're operating out of this one assumption, he's Italian, so we need to make pasta, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not too far in the meal when they want to know, well, well, how is it? What do you think? And I used to make the fatal error of thinking, how is it compared to mama's? <laughs> well, fortunately, I've matured a little bit since then, and I've learned, hold on a minute, you know, this is a gracious offering, this is what it is, so just, just be grateful and, and recognize it for what it is, and so I learned to just say, thank you, very good, may I please have some more? <laughs> well, I wish I could have or I wish I could say that I did so well early on in marriage because this dear woman over here would really try. And, and she would make a pasta dish and, uh, you know, she'd want to know how it was and I'd actually say, sorry, folks, well, it's not quite like mama's. Ooh. Ooh. That's all vote of sport right there for you, dear, right there, yeah. But one day, she nailed it. And I said to her, this is the best pasta ever. And she just started laughing. And she said, ha, I gave up trying and went and bought a jar of ragu. <laughs> it's true. Is it true? It's true. It is. And that shows just how pathetic my tastes are, really. Yeah. yeah. But my mom's ability to make great pasta really comes down to the the pasta sauce but don't try to ask her for a recipe there isn't one yeah she might tell you you know a little bit of this a little bit of that but the truth is if you're not watching her or walking through it with her she's liable to miss something along the way because her ability to make good pasta great pasta is really a gift from god because there are just those people on the planet that have a knack for certain things and what I'm here to tell you today is you are unique in your own way. And you don't need to make pasta sauce like my mama or a chocolate tower truffle cake like whatever, okay? But God has given you unique things. And God wants to use you just as you are. According to Ephesians 2.10, God is fashioning you and he's placed you right where you are to be the right person at the right place at, at the right time. Yeah, but to know our unique calling, each of us has to come to these three very, very important questions, and, and the significance and the experience of your life will really come down to these, these questions. What am I made to be? 
Who am I? Learning to celebrate who you are. No more comparison game. No more looking to the right or to the left, but beginning with a relationship with God. God, who did you make me to be? Then out of that, we begin to move in those, those do's, which we discover is the overflow of the greater thing God has given and put in us. And then out of that, where am I made to go? So here, here I am. I mean, some of us who are more driven, we like to have a plan, and we want to have it all figured out. And, and then God has this great big news flash, and he says, I have a plan. I've got it figured out. So when will you finally come to the end of you and, and put your life in, in my hands, surrendering to me, trusting me to do with you what I've planned for you since before the beginning of time? Yeah, that's, it's all about the glory of God. Friend, you have a DPA. You have a divine personal assignment. So I just want you to say that. Would you please say, I have a divine personal assignment. Can you say that? Say it. There you go. It's true. John 10.10 10 says that there's a thief, and he's been robbing people of life. Jesus not only came to restore life, but he came to restore life to the full. God wants you to embrace who you are. Now, over in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus gives us these words. He says this, And this gospel of the kingdom, so that this, this life to the full that I came to bring, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So in that, many are going to be set free, right? And, and then, Jesus says, and then the end will come. Hallelujah. That means Jesus' return. Amen. Thank Have you ever found yourself being the right person at the right place at the right time? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Susan is just an unusual spirit today, so, so, so it's awesome. So let me just ask anybody else. Okay, cool, cool. I don't want to miss anybody else out there, so love you, Susan. It's, it's, it's awesome. Have you ever had the opportunity to experience someone, maybe even just for you, someone being for you the right person at the right place at the right time? Yeah, so, so I was thinking about this, and I, I'm reminded of a nurse who... Uh, at a very remote place in Arizona on the Wickenburg Highway uh, was on the scene after my brother had had this head-on collision with a UPS semi-truck. And she was a nurse, she was skilled, and immediately she went to work trying to put my brother back together again. It would be 45 minutes, this is how remote it was, 45 minutes before any sort of rescue vehicle would get, get to the site. We, we lost my brother, okay? But in our grieving, I've got to tell you, it gave us tremendous peace to know that he wasn't alone at that time. There was the right person there at the right place and at the right time. Amen. One of my favorite stories happened on an entrance ramp onto a freeway. I, uh, I was uh, trying to get down to Tucson, and on the way, I swung into Phoenix to visit one of my aunts and to stay the night with her and this is a woman who lived always with a great deal of fear so when it came time for me to leave she insisted that she get in her car and I get in my car and I follow her to the freeway entrance 
ramp so she could make sure I was okay. And, you know, it's kind of silly, I know, but, you know, I said thank you, and I followed her lead. And, and finally we get to the ramp, and because and she's going at her speed, which is nothing like my speed. And uh, we finally get there, and as I'm accelerating up the ramp, I can see in her rearview mirror that she's not going to move until I'm out of sight. Well, just then, I saw him. I saw this rugged guy with a backpack on the side of the road. So immediately, I pull over. I'm prompted by God. I've got to get this guy. And at the same time, I'm thinking, my aunt's freaking out right now. So this guy gets in, and, uh, and clearly, he's trying to avoid any small talk. So he says, I'm tired. Do you mind if I just get some rest? And, and, and so he nods his head as if to, to fall asleep. But what I didn't know was, in reality, he was listening to my music. Okay, yeah, it was an A-track. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, you can ask somebody later. And, but all the songs were about prodigals. Prodigals who had wandered away from family and faith. And, and just about every song on this particular um, of of, I'm trying to think of a, another word besides A-track, but okay, A-track, uh, seemed to have this invitation, come back home, come back home to Jesus. So I'm moving along, and somewhere around the Pinnacle Peak exit ramp, uh, this guy uh, wakes up in a kind of a broken voice, said, hey, would you mind pulling off somewhere? <laughs> and so we found ourselves in a Stuckey's parking lot, and if you don't know what that is, ask about the A-tracks and Stuckey's later. <laughs> And, and in an apologetic way, he said, uh, do you mind if I borrow some change so I can make a phone call? And he went off and did it. Then a little while later, he came back with tears in his eyes. And he said, hey, uh, just want to thank you for the ride. Uh, this is as far as I'm going. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks. Well, I, me, my personality, I was concerned. I was like, okay, so is everything okay? Did I do something wrong? No, please no, you didn't do anything wrong. He said, uh, three months ago, uh, I walked away from my family and my faith. And he said, sitting in your car, listening to your music, it was as if God was speaking to me. And he was saying, go home. So I took your change, and I went to the, golly, the payphone. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that image of the two, two young people staring at a payphone and saying, is it from outer space? <laughs> <laughs> I went to the payphone, I called my mom and dad, I apologized to them, and I asked them if I could come back home. Amen. He says, so uh, if you don't mind, I need to just stay here by myself for a little bit and think about what just happened because... I'm going home. Yeah. So just think about that for a minute. Was I the right person at the right place at the right time? Did I preach to this guy? Not a word. Did I offer a study in apologetics to this guy? No. All I did was I, I lived my life with these two questions. God, I believe you're working around me. I want to see where you're working because I want to join you right there. And the Holy Spirit said, pick this guy up. I picked this guy up, and as a result, I got to participate in what God was, was doing right there. 
And that's the way God wants to use each of us. And right now, as I share this, at this moment, you might be the right person at the right place at the right time. And you might be the right person at the right place at the right time because you know that you have walked away from faith and you have walked away from family. And today, right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, come back home. That might be where you are. And if that's you, awesome. He's ready. They're ready. They're ready for you. And, and if you're at that point of decision, you might want to share, share that with, with somebody. Maybe you're here today and you weren't raised in a Christian home at all, but right now you hear the Holy Spirit saying, I want you in my family, and it's time for you to come home. You were made for this family. Come home, ready to be received. But there's another group here, and, and maybe you're in this group. Maybe you've been faithful to walk with the Lord, and, and you walk in full assurance that your sins are forgiven. You walk in full assurance that, that you will, will be in heaven. You have a, a ticket to heaven. But right now, you have never thought about yourself being that person, the right person at the right place at the right time. And, and as pastor, it's, it's my vision, which I hope will become our vision collectively, to remind God's people that not only does he want to save you, but he wants to use you to make a difference. If you will live your life in, ready for this? Ready, ready posture. Ready, ready posture. Maybe you don't know that term. It's, it's, a, it's a sports term. It's, it's where a player on the field positions himself in such a way that wherever the ball is going to go, he's able to get there just as quickly as possible. And imagine us as a church, each of us, all of us, embracing this idea of living life in, in ready, ready positions so that whatever else we're doing, it doesn't matter if we're on vacation. It doesn't, doesn't matter if we're standing in a ridiculous line at Safeway. It doesn't matter if we're driving down 34 in all the madness. It doesn't matter. We're in ready, ready position, and we're asking these two questions. Where is God working? Where are you working, Lord? And how would you have me join you here? In, in what you're doing. Very simple. Ready, ready position. Wherever the God ball is moving, I want to be ready to get there just as quickly as possible. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. That's the way the Holy Spirit has worked in my life. <coughs> Anybody else? Yes. It's awesome. So I was reminded about Queen Esther, and, and maybe you don't know the, the story of Queen Esther. There's a book in the Old Testament that's actually called Esther. And Esther was, was a beautiful Jewish girl who found herself suddenly married to a non-Jewish king. Well, through a series of maddening events and not knowing his wife was Jewish, this king was played, and what he ended up doing is issuing a decree, and this is real, this is very real. So when you see people down in Boulder uh, saying the Holocaust never happened, okay, this is the history of God's people, the Jews. And this king, Xerxes, issued a decree that all Jewish men and women be killed. So Esther's family gets word of this before she does. So they approach her and ask for help. She knows that she has never walked into the king's presence without his initiative. And if she were to do that, he could well have her head. So this, 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 this godly 
cousin of hers named Mordecai, he just wanted to know, Esther, you're going to die either way. That, that was his first challenge. His challenge had two parts. You're going to die either way. And then, then the second part goes like this, and I want you to see this. This is Esther chapter 4, verse 13, and it actually gives us both parts. Okay, watch this. It says, he, now that's Mordecai the cousin, sent back this answer after hearing that Esther wasn't willing to help, right? And he said, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, and look at his tremendous faith, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. <laughs> and friend, God wants to use you, the right person, the right place, the right time. He'll do it with or without you, but he does want to use you, right? Yeah. So that's the first part. But you and your father's family will perish. God will rescue the Jews, but, you know, don't, but you're in trouble here. And then here's the amazing second part. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Amen. Made for such a time as this. That's Esther, the right person, the right place at the right time. And that's what I want you to hear. The right person at the right place at the right time. Okay, now let's contrast this. In another place, uh, Jesus is preparing for his death, and in preparing for his death, he needed a place to share his final meal, the final Passover with his disciples. So he sent two disciples on into the city of Jerusalem to, to find a place. And he said this to them. He said, when you go into the city, you'll see a man there carrying a jar of water. He'll meet you. Follow him. The contrast is here's a nameless guy with a water jar that led the disciples to the site where one of the greatest events in all of human history took place, the Last Supper. This guy had his antenna up. He was asking, where is God working? How can I join him? And, and I want you to see that contrast because some of us may serve in these significant capacities where we're able to influence a whole bunch of people like Esther did, but some of us, others of us, may have nameless roles, like a guy carrying a water jar. Amen. And that's all God asks us to do. He wants us to discover and to walk in each of our unique identities, just simply looking. Where are you working, God? How can I join you, God? And, and so what I believe God has put in my spirit to implant in your hearts, and, and I hope that you are feeling like this series, like you're ready to move on, okay? <laughs> I hope you feel that way, because part of what I understand in all this is that you will know people are finally catching your vision when you're saying to yourself, how much more do we have to listen to this, okay? And, and that's what God has called me to, each of us being influencers for the kingdom of God where we are, and we need to get those questions planted in deep. Where are you working, God? It's a treasure hunt. Living life in a church, where are you working, God? How would you have me join you? And then let me give you some other questions you can begin asking. Am I living my life in relationship with my Creator? <laughs> There's that first question. Secondly, what are my natural talents and abilities? Can you believe it? God wants to use those. Now watch this. 
what am I passionate about? <laughs> Why don't you and I just have a conversation a little bit here? <laughs> Number four, what are you burdened by? And number five, how might God want to use these things? This became all the more real to me because I was prompted recently to reach out to my childhood best friend. And uh, this was a guy with a great deal of um, possibility, but it saddened me to hear just how disillusioned he was with life. And, and so trying to encourage him, I said, man, Jim, I just got to tell you how much I value your family. My dad struggling with, with mental illness, not being able to do things. And here was your dad able to keep one good job all the way to retirement, that your dad would load up the camper and take us camping on weekends. And, and, and Jim said, I don't know what you're talking about. My dad was an all-out alcoholic, and the reason you never saw him on our camping trips was because he left us alone so he could sit in his drunken stupor. And he said he was a kind drunk. And then he took it a step further, and I could just feel his, the vile and the anger towards his dad. And he said, besides, all I ever wanted to do with my life was to be a mechanic, but they wouldn't let me. They forced me to go to college so I could sit in an office all day and waste my life. And I want you to hear it because it's a sad story. And I want to tell each of you, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness in your jobs and, 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 and in your parenting and in your schooling. But, but I'm here to tell you today that you were created for a whole lot more than just holding a good job, getting a good paycheck, collecting a good paycheck, uh, getting good grades. You were made for a whole lot more than that because you were made for eternity and in your short existence here on planet earth in this messed up time and space that we find ourselves god is rescuing people from the clutches of that thief and he wants to use you in simple ways in that process so hear this follow your hearts whatever it's been told you can't do that you know you should do Follow your heart. Please follow your heart. Follow your ambition. Follow your passion. Follow your, your burdens. And then ste every step along the way, find the treasure hunt. Yeah, yeah. Father God, I want to know today, were you working? Open my eyes to see it because, Father God, I want to know how I can participate with you and what you're doing. I need you to imagine. Imagine you, Right? For such a time as this, the right person, the right place, the right time, no mistake. Let's go to the Father right now. I'm going to invite the worship team up. and God, be glorified in the house today. It's all about you and do your best work because that's what you do anyway. But just do your work, because it is the best. And each of you standing before the throne of God, consider those two questions this morning. What is it that God brought you here to hear this morning? And then how would he have you um, to respond to that? Thank you, Father. Do your work. Do your work. Do your work.
I'm going to let the worship team uh, lead us, but uh, please consider these things.